everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, a teacher, or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer, or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hello, Kayla. Thanks so much for joining us. This is fun. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so thanks so much for joining us. I normally just start off by having my guests introduce themselves for uh, my audience. So give us a little background. Yeah. So hi, I'm Kayla Coburn. Uh, I was a former para, uh, former special education teacher, former education specialist, specifically working in the deafblind community. And after living in California all my life, me and my family moved last year uh, to out of state. And once we did that, I couldn't bring my job with me. And with two new little children, I thought, what a great time to start a business. <laughs> and so I started Inclusion Starts Now which has been an Instagram account for probably like, I mean, years. It's It's been like seven or eight years probably, but it's always, it used to just be like I was a teacher and randomly posted things and then I'd like stopped for a year and then I'd do it again and then I'd stop. The last two years have been like the most consistent of me like being active on it, but it's connected me to so many great schools and working with schools and presenting for teachers and parents, and that is, I will talk forever about it. So that is what I'm doing now. So good, so good. I mean, we need so many people in space of education, and um, so, and I just think you're doing awesome, awesome work, which is why I asked you if you would present at our conference. So towards the end of the episode, I'll be talking a little bit about the presentations that you're doing because you're actually presenting on the parent class. So A plus for for that. You know, inclusion is very, very near and dear to my heart. It is the way that it was the path to me saying, okay, fine, I will start to represent families in special education. A little bit before my kid was school aged, I had done enough work in special education, having been an educator and being in the Down syndrome community and that sort of stuff. But once I saw the need in the Down Syndrome community for inclusive advocacy, um, I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I'm curious, what do you think, like, what are, what are schools and parents asking you about the most right now? I definitely think that I know the answer, but I'm curious what you're seeing out there in the West. Like, what are, what are schools asking you about? What are teachers asking you about? Parents? What are some hot topics? Oh, well, I would say the the thing I get asked the most is how to even start the conversation that people want their child or students included in their community, how to start it with the principal, with the higher ups, like in the district, the special ed director, how to even start that conversation. And and I think what a lot of people are experiencing is that they'll like have the conversation, but then there's like no action plan, like it kind of just falls through. And I know we'll talk about it later, but one of my presentations that I'm going to do, I, the one for the teachers. So all my experience as a special education teacher was that I was kind of pushing to include my students by myself. 
one school was for it and one school was not for it. But in both in both settings, all of my students made friends outside of our classroom. And it took, I mean, like a, little, a couple of sneaky ways of like putting inclusion into the IEP. So then it was like they had to be implemented because they're legally, it's a legally binding document. And then the other way was just like genuinely befriending the community and getting people to trust me to try something new. And it's just like a very big mindset shift. So I wrote sneaky ways and I talk a lot about both of those. So like, okay, what are some sneaky ways that you can get inclusion or inclusive opportunities into an IEP so that like the IEP team, you know, let's say that it's just an adversarial thing where they're like, no, you're going to be educated over here in this room down the hall or across town or wherever. And then you get something in the IEP so that it has to be implemented. I am sneaky. Like, yeah. they might know it. They might not know what they're agreeing to. How do you do that? So I would put it as uh, like in the IEP goals, I would put like, you know, we're doing this math goal with like peer support. And that would also take me having to like talk to the staff too, to be like, you know, we're not, we're not training the students without disabilities to like be the teacher. Like that's not what it is. It is a peer support. Like all kids work together in classrooms. They do turn and talks. They do reading groups. Like we just want our children with disabilities included. Whoa, did I just get dark? Do you see that? Yeah, you did get dark and now it's snowy. I do a lot of, I sign, so I do a lot of hand motions. Have you seen, there's like all these new, whenever I go to show it, it never does it. But they're like the new Apple stuff, like it's. Oh, it's Apple. Oh, that was, yeah. I'm putting that out. Oh my gosh. I like people to feel like they're at my kitchen table. I, by the way, you brought it. And I think that was really exciting because we had no idea what was happening. I've never seen the snow before. I've seen like hearts and balloons and there's a whole whole bunch so we're just i know just moving our hands around seeing what we can get now everyone knows it's a green screen so uh so yes the iep goals that is the biggest one that i really like slide them in the other ways so especially when i was in elementary school on ieps i would put every student for the diploma track and i know it like at my school it wasn't really necessary for that but i kind of I did it because I wanted every teacher after me to be like, oh, diploma. Like, I kind of wanted them to be like, oh, to, like, you know, if they have it in their head, then they're like, well, I guess that's what we're going for. And it like, it kind of raises everyone's expectations. Um, that you're going to get a diploma. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the one I refer to the most often. I think it's called getting more out of your IEP. And then I also talked about getting less out of so basically, like what I say in that sneaky arena is build the IEP in order. So also when you're talking about present levels, talk about the of inclusion, mm-hmm. get them in there. Like, you know, it's highly motivated by peer support. And then therefore, you can build peer support in at part of the special instruction model, part of modifications, and supplement aids and services. Like if you know you want peer support, Build the case all the way through the IEP because that document builds upon something. It goes in order, essentially, right? I love that. That is such a great. I it I 
cringe when the present levels or when the reports for from other service providers is just like negative. They like don't have anything positive. It's like, you know, I I would like for every one negative thing, there's like three positive things after that because we it's too negative. I don't like it. I can see that at my house. Like, I'm trying to my kids get really rigid about stuff. My oldest is really rigid about fish. Eats chicken with old bay seasoning, basically, pull it down and he's getting ready to go to college and he's going to learn one thing to cook and he's going to eat it every day for eight years. And I think that's unacceptable. So yesterday he was like, Mom, I'm sorry. I hate it when people say no offense. It's like this chicken. He said, this chicken is fun. <laughs> is that, wow. Is that like a term? Do I, do we need to know that? Sometimes it's just him and sometimes it is a term. So I'm not sure. He, he does kind of have his own language, but this chicken is fun. And I'm like, okay. And so I said, now you have to come. Like you just ripped my lunch. Up. First of all, thanks for making me effort, making my lunch. And making me eat, you know, Michelle Obama lunch. But also, like, now you have to tell me a great look or something because you were just making me. And and he was silly about it. But I agree. Like, if we spend too much time giving constructive criticism or even talking about areas of need, we also need to celebrate areas of relative strength or just wonderful things about humans. And we could go on and on about the wonderful things about every human in this. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And then the trust piece, like how, oh, I can't really go on and on about this. How do trust amongst the IEP team members help to promote inclusion? Oh man. I mean, it's everything. It's, I don't really feel, I mean, obviously I only have one experience of getting my teaching credential, but I don't feel like team like working as a team or team building is something that's really focused on just like in general I don't think that's like a tool that people learn how to work as a team and I think it's kind of interesting how like teachers and service providers and admin like we're all in this like leadership role in our room and then we all have to work together as like you know 10 different leaders in a room with all of our specific background trying to work together which can also be very intimidating for a parent who might, you know, who probably doesn't have background of like any sort of special education other than their child. And and I think it's really hard to like, you know, find a way to like communicate to each other that's not rude, <laughs> like finding ways to compromise in an IEP meeting. And yeah, I mean, I feel like the only IEP training I got that was actually about team building was like, a presentation at a conference I went to and it was like a doctorate student study of it. And I was like, that is great. Like, yeah, we kind of need to be told how to do this because like we kind of just, you know, we get ready to lead. We're like doing all this stuff. And on January 19th, I myself presenting a thing called Building the Collaborative IEP Team Focusing on that's it's really important. important. It's super important. And I approach it from the standpoint of like organizational leadership and uh, like mediation strategy, which has a lot of sociology in it. Have you ever read the book Five Dysfunctions of a Team? 
No. Oh, you've got to order it. I'm going to write this down. It's one of those, I mean, you can read in three hours things. And oh my gosh, Kayla, my listeners are tired of hearing about it. But it it goes through five dysfunctions of a team. And I'm going to ask the question and see see where you think the lack of trust starts. And then I'll tell you what the book says. But what it does is it comes through like a parallel story, like a hypothetical of a work team. And talks about what you're talking about, how you push one another, how the marketing people push the project implementation people, and then how finance influences that, and how they can do that, as you said, without being mean or rude, in order to get to a common goal, because we all want a common goal. And far too often, ego comes into it, kind of a lack of accountability comes into it. Do you, like... Do you see from parents or educators like a big roadblock to that trust? Is there a characteristic or a trait or something that you're like, if they could only be more? I would work. say vulnerable is the first thing that comes to mind. I think, and, and like being wrong or like admitting that like you can rethink what the problem is or what the solution will be. And I think a lot of that falls on like whoever is leading the IEP meeting that they're kind of the one that needs to like demonstrate. I mean, especially when it's like the person leading being like, oh, whoops, I messed that up. Or, oh, what's that acronym again? Or, you know, saying something that like kind of just makes them human, but like still respectful. <laughs> like it's it's definitely I, I, I don't. And this is probably part of that love hate relationship I was talking about with social media that like social media is not real. It's like what people post and show. And so it really takes away like our human mistake. <laughs> like even when people show their mistakes, it's like they're editing those videos. They're posting what they want to post. Like, and that's just, that's not what happens in like an IEP team meeting. That's not what happens in life. Like when you're talking, like there, you know, are mess ups, there's silences, there's disagreements, and there's just like messy parts. And it's like, how do we, yeah. we work together? Yes. And we, exactly. we think about what we look like in an IEP meeting unless we're on Zoom. Like, oh, and we're like, uh-oh, I don't look very hot. But you're exactly <laughs> right. I mean, if I, like, my brand is literally perfect. But, oh. you know, sometimes I do go to, do like, a super vulnerable post and think, oh, my God, I there's no way. And yeah, post that's some awful stuff, you know? <laughs> but we're like, but the cellulite was there or whatever in your rate. And that, and that has nothing to do with acknowledging our lack of information on a certain topic that we feel like we should know or guilt and parenting or acknowledgement that, um, you know, sometimes we can't implement behavior strategies with consistency because we just loop or we're tired. Yeah. There's a divorce situation brewing or, you know, there's so many different things that could impact us. Yeah. And I don't think that parents need to over. I also think that can sometimes be a flaw, but a lack of vulnerability, I I don't think I've ever seen that work out well. If you can't say, you can't ask questions, what are you talking about? What do you mean? I, I maybe I misunderstood. If you can't be honest and objective about the student or your experience at the school, it just my experience, I don't think that's ever. Yeah. 
And one of my pet peeves is when someone makes you feel bad for asking a question. Like if you're like, oh, what does IEP stand for? And they're like, what? You don't know what that means? And you're like, no, you want to you want to tell me or just keep making me feel bad that I'm asking a question. (laughs) So and I think it's like a really common response. And it's like we really have to kind of I mean, I know I used to do it all the time. And it's like we really have to like notice that we're doing it. Me and my husband have a whole thing where it's like calling each other out when we feel like we're saying something that just like isn't especially now that we have two small kids and one of them's repeating us a lot we try really hard to focus on like okay what are we saying we're not being negative like about ourselves or about other people we don't like get into our house and like talk bad about things like we try really hard to like practice what we preach and um but that also requires us being like okay i don't know how to say this but this is how i'm feeling like and yeah and i i know that too i model that where I don't want to talk family about somebody, but I need then time. And I was like, spitball ideas about how to deal with an issue. And then you can't. Yeah. yeah. I probably, you know, you can be mad at something and really mad at someone. And then it's like, okay, but how am I going to move on? And we have to. Yeah. 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 Do you, but we have like mechanical school environment impediments. Do you? there are common impediments and things that get in the way of inclusion you know like the big one in preschool and body training they say well we can't help a child go to the restroom in this preschool and yes you and i roll our eyes yeah <laughs> this order grade levels okay first with the whole potty training thing what i like to say to people is that nobody is ever fully potty trained Like I have had, I know adults who have accidentally wet the bed who don't have a disability, but they like, it drives me crazy when people connect like potty training to a disability as like, yeah, I felt like I was trying so hard not to roll my eyes and I still did it. Okay, this is funny. (laughs) This goes along the lines of vulnerabilities. It's worth it for for all of the like 30 and 40 things that I listen to this. I'm 45. I think, I know, because people tell me that I have this, like, auspice of having it all together and nothing is for their, like, I, I, I acknowledge that I accomplish a lot, but I mean, the balls are all getting, right? And the car is messy and like, and so my one friend is always like, build me up, but he's just really, he's like a big, you know, and they were over the other night and I was talking about how you ever see me on a walk and I'm like, you're quite. Uh, tying my shoe, I'm probably tying it somewhere. He was like, he makes them perfect. And I mean, when I got to go to my friend's house, like I will totally bust in somebody's house and be like, oh. and, and you know, if it's before nine, their doors are unlocked. But if I'm, if I'm six doors away from somebody I know, or if I'm like, I'm going to get to their front door, I'm coming out. I just got to generally got to go. I wear black pants to walk in. Yeah, and so it was. It was a funny thing, but it's also vulnerable. Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? Yeah. You have to go to the bathroom. You have to show you have to go. That's unrelated. I love that. Liquid consumption is unrelated. Anyway, that's (laughs) special education. (laughs) We never talked about wetting their pants. Adult wetting their pants, but I agree with you that nobody is ever fully body trained. Yeah. 
And is that not like the epitome of everything that like if you want to find an excuse, you can find an excuse. But let's come back to talking about the person and the reason this is better learning model for for all of human. Yeah. With well, I so I do feel uh, like to your question of like what is happening at schools that are that's like stopping inclusive practices. Um, I mean, and I I think I just posted a reel about this the other day where it's like. Uh, you can't just like put students with disabilities into classrooms, especially if those children like might have dysregulated behaviors or different ways of communicating or like, you know, what they need frequent breaks. Like you need to train like the staff. You need to make sure that there's enough support staff in the classroom. I mean, there just there needs to be like expectations, clear expectations for everybody. And uh, I'm actually going into a school today and talking with them about uh, how kind of talking about like the universal design of learning and how to get make sure all the students are able to access the activity. And we're talking about like, you know, your personal expectations of like what writing is like, you know, you might want them to write three paragraphs, but like that's not the goal. That's not a standard. And that's, you know, like, what's the goal for the student? And like, wh- how can we get them there as independently as possible? And it's, it's, again, it's like that mind shift. I feel like a lot of inclusion is just like people have this thought in their head and they just get really stuck in it. And they like can't seem to, you know, rethink what teaching should look like, like rethink what the activity should look like and like be OK that it's going to look different for everyone. I couldn't agree with you anymore at all. And even if you don't revamp your entire tier one instruction, like your entire whole instruction, with very simple modification accommodation, inclusion can be achieved even in districts where there is not a whole lot of financial support or a whole lot of resources, you know, even if you can't get extra budget money and all of that stuff, resources. So, yeah. I think that is really, really beautiful. We to hear your presentations um, weekend at our conference. Why don't you tell everybody just quickly before before you give your little preview? Our special education and advocacy conference is on uh, Friday, January nineteenth and the twentieth. Kayla has two presentations on January twentieth. Tickets will be available for on demand viewing even after the um, conference, but. You get one free live presentation per hour if you attend live on the 20th. So, Kayla, why don't you tell us um, what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Well, so for the teacher presentation, the title is How to Get Inclusion at a School That Isn't Practicing Inclusion. And I have recently, this has kind of been like, I feel like I keep doing this presentation in like slightly different ways every time. Because most of my experience as a special education teacher was me being in my uh, self-contained classroom and trying to encourage a school to include my students with their community. And, and I don't think I really noticed that I was doing these kinds of tips as the teacher until I started trying to figure out how to present. And then I was, you know, of course, I came up with like an acronym of a way of ways that like. I was able to encourage inclusion and I just started figuring out kind of 
tip that I was doing. And so I've like put them all together into this presentation. I don't know if you want me to talk about any of the tips. You kind of did. It's great. Yeah. We okay. keep people wanting more. Yes. Because the IEP yeah. is definitely one of them. That's a huge one that I talk about. And then the other one is for caregivers and it's how to advocate for inclusion with my child. And this, so another sneaky thing that I did as a teacher was that I would talk to parents like off the record because as a teacher, you're like kind of that neutral party. You're like for the district and you're for the parents and like, and it was really hard for me sometimes when I would see like districts kind of bully the parents into thinking that like this was the specific, you know, practice that their child needed. And so I would talk to parents and out, you know, not through email, not through texting. There was no proof that we communicated other than me possibly. <laughs> but now, but I would just tell them like, you know, if this is what you want, like legally, you know, I would explain like what like the procedural safeguards. I used to have like a, a little summary handout that I would give to them that was like, the IEP is for your student or your child. Like we are all here to work together for your child. If you don't agree with something, you don't have to sign the IEP. This is what happens when you don't sign the IEP. Like we can't implement the new practices, but you can also not sign a portion of the IEP. You're like, if you really want this, like you're the advocate for your child. Like I can't, I can't like make the district, you know, there's only so much that, that I could persuade the district to do. Well, you're um, on the team. And unfortunately, I mean, right? teachers and other team members need their jobs and like their jobs. And so, you know, yeah. you're walking the fine line between your employment and what you're comfortable with and that you've been told to stay and also serving this and what you think is right. And that's humanity. Yeah. Yeah. We need more people that are willing to buck the system like that. That's really great. My mom famously said in the situation, first grade, well, she was, she got first, third, and fifth. Kindergarten, actually, first. So, okay, when a principal said, I might have to call our attorney and my dad's an attorney. I'm not afraid of attorneys. I sleep. She did not mean it to be dirty, but she, she knew that there was a double entendre. And I think her principal was like, yeah yeah i also kind of recommend for teachers to wait for them to be tenured before you start like really fighting the system because yeah i did not get hired back at my second job or my second teaching job because i was like i i went in really hot after four years of like building this beautiful like inclusive community the PTA thought about my students, like all of the students with disabilities were like in classrooms. We still had our own classrooms. That was just like the, that was like kind of on the districts that we couldn't change that. But like all students were practicing inclusion and all this. Everyone was good. Like it was a great experience. So then when I got to my second school, I came in real hot and they like there was a school dance. It was with I was a seventh grade teacher at this point. And they had a school dance and I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I want my kids to go. Can I have some permission slips? And they were like, well, if your students want to come, like all their parents have to come. And I was like, what? No, like I'll be there. It'll be fine. And they're like, you know, they just said their parents had to be there. And I was like, okay, well, I'll invite them, but they don't have to come. And so I had like nine students. I even had another classroom, like send a student. And it was me and one of my one of the pairs in my room volunteered to come with me. 
And it was a great school dance. They had a wonderful time. They got one of them was like in a dance battle in the middle. And it was he did like his Fortnite dance. It was so cool. Like everyone totally loved it. And it was a great experience. And teachers came up to me afterwards and they were like, I had no idea that your students could like attend an event like this. I'm like, isn't that sad <laughs> that we're stuck in a classroom because people won't let us like out? And yeah, I mean, that just like, yeah, so silly. But we, you know, even if it's a little bit at a time, the more that we all do, the better it's going to get. So uh, yeah. thank you for your work and thank you for the work of your business. Tell everybody where they can. Everything is inclusion starts now. <laughs> so uh, my website's inclusionstartsnow.com, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all of it. Inclusion starts now. I think that's pretty much everywhere that I'm at. <laughs> it's a lot, but Instagram's the most. That's where I like. I focus on it. All the other ones are like, oh, yeah, I have a video. I'll post it there or something. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us, Sheila. Yeah, thanks for having me.